Well, good morning again. It's great to have you joining us uh, online. We are praying that you're staying safe, and if there's anything that we can be praying for you, for you specifically, please let us know. You can indicate that on those connection cards. Uh, we are in our third week of our series called Jesus Will, and the idea behind this is really trying to help each of us develop and establish and, and have a true idea of what Jesus will do in our lives what Jesus will provide, and what, what he will offer in our lives and what we can count on. Because oftentimes what we end up expecting or thinking that Jesus is going to do isn't really what he said we could count on him doing. Sometimes we get those things mis mixed up. So today what I want to look at is I want to look at some idea or an idea that lots of times creates some confusion. Sometimes we think Jesus will do something and we're a little bit off. And the area that I want to explore this morning is that Jesus will meet our needs. What does that look like, that Jesus will meet our needs? When I was about three years old, uh, my granny and papa, I don't know if everybody has a weird name for at least one set of their grandparents. Uh, we had a granny and a papa. Anyway, granny and papa came to Idaho where we were living and came to visit our family. And granny came and she thought a really fun activity would be to take her cute little grandson out for a hamburger at McDonald's. So we loaded up into the car, we were headed to go get this, this hamburger, and I was excited, like we were heading to McDonald's, right? And we, we actually didn't have a lot of money, so going to McDonald's, this was going to be a real treat. And so Granny and Papa get there, and they order the hamburger, and then we go and we sit down, and Granny gets me seated in the high chair, and, and then Granny pulls out the hamburger, and she unwraps it, and, and she places it in front of me, and she's so excited to have brought, bought her little grandson a hamburger, and as Granny describes it, in that moment, I stared at the hamburger and took my little fist and balled it up. And then I began to pound the hamburger flat. And the whole time I was screaming, I need fries. I need. Now, I'm pretty sure I recall saying, I need fries. I think she probably would say, I want fries. But in that moment, as this little grandson is pounding on this cheeseburger, Granny suddenly looks at Papa and says, quick go get fries. So, so my grandfather, who's not really quick, you know, going across McDonald's and, and gets those fries. And clearly I didn't need French fries. My grandparents, they desperately needed French fries to prevent the freaking out or to stop the freaking out of this three-year-old. Now, most of us realize that responding to Jesus like a three-year-old pounding on the hamburger isn't really the best option. But Jesus tells us that he's willing to meet our needs. So, so how do we ask? What does that look like? If Jesus is willing to meet our needs, how do we ask for that? What is it that he's willing to do? How often can we ask? What can we actually anticipate from him? Because if we start pounding on the hamburger, will that really get his attention or not? Now, there's a chance you've heard of the psychologist Abraham Maslow, and I don't even know if I'm saying his name right, but he basically uncovered or revealed what's known as the hierarchy of human needs. And what Maslow discovered, or Maslow discovered, is that we all have a basic set of needs. No matter, no matter who you are, no matter what culture you live in, we all essentially share these five essential needs. We tried to put the pyramid that he created uh, in the message notes that you can print off. We couldn't put them into the online platform, so you'll just have to believe me or, or use Google. Uh, but basically, you and I will find ourselves at different places along this hierarchy of needs. We'll find ourselves at different points. And so this morning, as you start listening to this and as you're thinking about this, you can probably identify where you land on that list of needs. 
So I want to start out at the bottom of that and, and look at the bottom of this pyramid, and then we'll start to kind of work our way up. And, and as we see these fundamental needs, we can work our way or see the different levels that we can move through. So, so the most fundamental level that you'll notice if you happen to be looking at that is the physiological needs. These are those fundamental needs like survival and food and water and warmth and shelter. Those are the very essential things that we need to have met. And we're not going to think about anything higher or beyond that or another level until we get those very essential starter needs for survival met. And in a world that's going through a pandemic, this might be where some of us find ourselves. We might find ourselves in need of survival, where we feel threatened, and as a result, we're not available, we're not able to focus on anything beyond that. But then once those survival needs are met, we can move up to the next tier. And the next tier talks about the idea of safety. Safety is this idea of safety and security. It might be employment. It might be resources. It could be feeling secure financially, secure relationally, feeling safe physically. And then once those initial survival things are met, and then once we move up to this next idea of safety, and, and, and maybe this whole idea of safety... And feeling secure, I feel like maybe that's where the run on the toilet paper came from. Like we just didn't feel secure in that, and so we're all getting the toilet I don't know. But anyway, you move up from there, you move from safety, you move up to the next area. The idea of feeling loved and belonging. And even when we find ourselves not in isolation, we all have this sense of, of feeling a need to be known. To be loved. And at Silver Creek, we often talk about the importance of having five to seven different individuals where you feel a connection, where you feel known and you know them. And if you and I can have that in our lives, if we can begin to develop those relationships, that level of feeling of need, that idea of longing and feeling love will begin to be met. And then we can begin to move on to the next level. And the next level is the idea of esteem. This is where we feel self-worth and we feel identity and we feel accomplishment. This is where you can go and you stand in your bathroom and you look in the mirror and you see the individual in the mirror and you're actually happy with who's staring back at you. And after that sense of self-esteem, it moves up to the very top level. And the very top level is self-actualization, which basically is the idea of reaching your full potential. It's living out who God has created you to be. It's this idea of really using the gifts and the skills that are unique to you. Now, what's really interesting about this idea of the hierarchy of human needs is to recognize that for you and I to reach our full potential, for you and I to, to go to those things that are up on the scale, we have to be able to take care of the things that are below that. You and I will probably never reach our full potential if we don't have a place to live. You and I will probably never really like the person that we see in the mirror. Actually, we won't even care about the person in the mirror if we don't feel safe and secure, if we don't feel like we have food, we will find that we will always take care of those basic needs before we begin to deal with anything higher. And the point is, is that we all have needs. Really, wherever you're at on this, we all have things that we're trying to sort out. We all have needs that need to be met. We're all looking for these things to be dealt with in our lives. And sometimes we'll even do unhealthy things on some of the higher levels to make sure that we can meet some of the lower levels. And if you and I are going to look to Jesus to meet our needs, we need to begin to consider and understand how does he want to help meet those needs, even within this idea of this pyramid. Where are the places that he has his motivation and almost his obligation, we'll say, 
What has he offered to us that we can anticipate? So to start with this, I want to dive into what we're considering and calling this week's theological breakdown. The theological breakdown is the thing that we're talking about each week where, where we just pause for a little bit and we look at something maybe a little bit, little bit closer. Now, if you happen to see that on the notes, if it's on the screen, um, we basically just used a copy and paste of, of the actual Greek word. Do we have that, Nancy? We don't have that slide? We don't have a slide there. Anyway, you're just going to have to believe me that I used the Greek, the Greek word. I copied and pasted it, and it's really hard to write down. But the, the word basically means, or the word is called didomi, which is a very simple, very simple definition to the, to the idea of didomi. It basically means to give. Crazy, huh? We're talking about give and need. Essentially, ditto me is the present tense of the word that we're about to see in this absolutely amazing story, where Jesus provided, where Jesus gave, where Jesus was the one that stepped up and produced. Now, in this story, the word that is, is literally used is the Greek word edokon, which is the past tense, meaning he gave. So essentially, the definition of these two is exactly the same. One is the present tense of, of ditto me meaning it's happening or it will be happening. And then the other word is the past tense of something that happened, the edokin. And what's really important that we understand about each of these is simply that it is an action. It is a choice that an individual makes where they take something of value that they have and they offer that item to another individual. Where they put a possession that they have into the possession of another person. It's where somebody places something that they have into the hands of another. And that action of placing something in the hands of another, it's completely done of your own accord. Meaning it's completely voluntary. It's, all, it's 100% done for the advantage of the receiver. The giver is taking the gift and they're giving it to the benefit of the recipient. And so when Jesus did owe me in our life, when he gives, when he provides, it's all based out of his desire, out of his willingness to offer what he has for you and what he has for me to our benefit. And it's not with obligation. It's not with contract. Jesus is simply saying, I am giving this to you because I desire to meet the need in your life. It's not a reward because you did things right. It's simply because he loves you. It's simply because he wants to provide for you. Jesus desperately desires to meet our needs, and he cares about us, and it's not something that we earned. And what I hope we allow to soak into our hearts is that Jesus desires to be our provider. He wants to be the source of all the things that we need. So I want to look at a very a miraculous story where Jesus is choosing to give, where Jesus is choosing to give to provide. It's a long story, so just listen along. It says this in Matthew 14. It says, when Jesus landed and saw a large crowd, he had compassion on them, and he healed their sick. As evening approached, the disciples came to him and said, this is a remote place, and it's already getting late. Send the crowds away so they can go to the villages, villages and buy, buy themselves some food. Jesus replied, they do not need to go away. You give them something to eat. We have here only five loaves of bread and two fish, they answered. Bring them here to me, he said. And he directed the people to sit down on the grass. Taking the five loaves and the two fish and looking up to heaven, he gave thanks and broke the loaves. 
Then he gave, and this is where we come into that word edok, and then he gave them to the disciples, and the disciples gave them to the people. They all ate and were satisfied, and the disciples picked up 12 basketfuls of broken pieces that were left over. The number of those who ate was about 5,000 men besides women and children. An absolutely unbelievable story. Completely amazing that, that Jesus could take just a few loaves of bread and a few fish and pray for them and break them up and feed thousands of people. And what we see in this most amazing story is that with very limited resources, Jesus absolutely had no limitations. Jesus took just a very small handful of resources and met everyone's needs. Jesus always has enough. Jesus always has more than enough when there's a need in your life and in my life. And what I want us to know this morning is that Jesus desires to meet your needs. And wherever you're at this morning, whatever you came into this service with, whatever, as you clicked on and you brought up the screen and you started watching this morning, whatever you're worried about, that unmet need that you have, whether it's basic health or paying for rent or maybe moving up the tier a little, maybe it's a relationship. Maybe there's even something higher up where you're like, I'm just trying to find my true purpose. Wherever you find yourself this morning in need, Jesus wants to be the provider to meet all of those needs. And he wants to do it. And the beginning of that is when we begin to trust that he will. So here's what I want to look at this morning. I want us to really look at how does Jesus, how will he meet our needs? For this to happen in our lives, it's going to require us to trust him. It's going to require a willingness to follow his lead. We can't choose to treat Jesus like a vending machine. If we want Jesus to provide for our needs, it's not like one of those really cool claw games. You know the claw games? We don't walk up to Jesus and we don't, we don't put a dollar into the machine and then the maneuver the Jesus claw over the item that we're wanting and then all of a sudden the claw drops down and we're like, oh, come on, come on, come on, come on get it. Oh, just missed rent. That's not how it works. But they think there's five steps, five choices that you and I can make that will allow us to meet the needs. They'd allow Jesus to meet our needs. The first step that we need to realize in the first thing is that it starts by bringing him our needs. And I know when I say that, that just sounds simple. I realize that almost sounds elementary. Because oftentimes, though, when we have a need, we don't bring it to Jesus. I mean, not at first, we don't bring it to Jesus. We often try, try some things first, right? We try to control the situation or we try to fix it on our own, or we just try to do whatever we can to meet it ourselves. And then if we can't fix it on our own, then, then we take it to a friend, or we take it to a family member, or we, we break out the Google. And then when we're overwhelmed, or we're completely exhausted, or we're disappointed, or we're disillusioned, then when everything else has failed, when we're at the end of the rope, then we're like, well, I guess my only option now is to bring it to Jesus. And there's nothing wrong with you and I sharing a need with our family or sharing a need with a friend. It's a great option for us to be able to support each other. And there's nothing wrong with you and I actively looking to find solutions to things in life and, and finding those answers. But first, before anything else, before we try to use our own cleverness, we need to bring the need to Jesus and tell him what that problem is. Because oftentimes he can guide, whether it's through our own creativeness or finding the person that can help us, he wants to guide us to that answer. 
Thousands of years ago, there was a guy by the name of David, extremely close to God. Listen to what David wrote about this. David said this. He said, give your burdens to the Lord and he will take care of you. So again, this morning, when you clicked on the link to watch service, I don't know what the need is that you have, but there's something that you've probably been thinking about. It might be something that you've been praying about. It might be that thing that's just always nagging in the back of your mind and you can't seem to get away from it because it's something you, you know you desperately need. Maybe it's that thing that, that kept you up last night and you just found yourself laying in bed, staring at the ceiling, consumed with this unmet need. That's the burden. That's the burden that, that David is saying, listen, God has a desire for you and I to hand that over to him and say, God, I need you to provide. Jesus, I need you to step in. And today, what I want you to know is that Jesus is ready for you to let him know what your need is, what it is that you're looking to him to provide the answer for. And it's simple. The way that you and I tell him is simple. We simply say to him, Jesus, I need this. This is the thing that I need in my life. This is where I need you to provide. Could be rent. It could be peace of mind. It could be that you need a friend. It could be that you need some rest. It could be that you need patience. Whatever that thing is that you need, speak to Jesus and tell him what it is that you need. That's the first step. And then the second choice that we make that allows Jesus to help meet our needs is when we begin to choose to remain thankful even while we have needs. This one can be a struggle sometimes. It can be really hard to stay thankful, especially when there's a really big need in our life that's not been met. When we find ourselves lacking something in life that we really feel like we need, it's not always easy to continue to be thankful. I mean, it's really easy to be thankful when everything's going right. I mean, three months ago, we were all probably pretty thankful. But today, so many things going on, so many difficulties, money's running out, businesses are shutting down, friends or parents in the hospital, feeling alone. All of those things, are. It, sometimes that makes it not very easy to be thankful. An early church leader by the name of Paul, he was writing a letter to one of the early churches. Paul said this, he said, be thankful in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you who belong to Christ Jesus. I want you to notice a very important word there. He doesn't say be thankful for, he says be thankful in. We don't have to be thankful for all circumstances. We don't have to be thankful for the fact that coronavirus has hit our world. That's way different. It's not about being thankful for the problems in our lives. It's not about being thankful for the suffering that we have to go through. God gets no joy in our pain. It also doesn't mean we have to, to paint a fake face on. It also doesn't mean we have to prevent or pretend that, that everything's okay. Yeah. No, what he's saying is, regardless of the circumstance, find a way to be thankful Find a way to find something that you can be thankful for. Because whatever it is that you're going through, whether everything is going well or whether things are going terribly, you and I can always find something to be thankful for. It will take effort. And it might take some creativity. But the way for you and I to, be, to get through tough times is to find a way to be thankful and identify things that we can be thankful for. Because no matter what the circumstances are, 
Even when things aren't perfect, we can always find something to be thankful for. And when we're thankful, what it allows to happen is when we thank God for whatever is, not for whatever is going on, but for something in the middle of what's going on, God is able then to step in. It's like we're inviting him into the process by saying, God, I don't really like this situation, but I'm thankful for this thing that you've provided. And then God begins to move in and we begin to experience God's peace and his strength and his help and his response to our needs. And when we begin to be thankful, what that allows us or begins to motivate us to do is to go to the next step. And the next step, get ready, the next step is to keep bringing our needs to him. And I know what you're thinking. I know what you're, you're, you're thinking. You're, here's what you're, you're thinking. Brent, you just told us to tell him our needs. And now you're telling us to keep bringing our needs? Yes. Now, the reason that I'm saying that we need to keep bringing Jesus our needs isn't because Jesus has a memory problem. It's not because he wasn't paying attention the first time. It is, it's not really even trying to like, get the grease on the squeaky wheel. But actually, it might be a little bit that. I'm going to get to there in a second. But in our life where it feels like we've been praying and, and, and that prayer just never getting answered, maybe, maybe your marriage just isn't getting better, or that addiction just isn't going away, or that loneliness doesn't seem to be stopping, and we think to ourselves, we're like, Jesus, you promised to meet my, my needs, but, but why am I still struggling in this area? Jesus, why isn't this getting any better? I honestly don't have the answers for why it's not changing. But what I do know is that Jesus promises that if we trust him, and if we're willing to put him first, he will always provide for our needs. And it doesn't always mean that he meets our needs exactly as we expect him to meet our needs. Sometimes he doesn't meet our needs on the timetable that we think would be best. But he will always meet our needs if we trust him. If we're willing to pray and ask God and say, God, would you begin to step in and would you continue to give? This is God, this is what I need. And really, Jesus encourages us, don't stop asking. Because sometimes when Jesus doesn't meet our need, when he doesn't answer our prayer the way we assume that he would answer our prayer, when it feels like maybe God's will wasn't for that thing to happen, then we give up. We're like, well, it doesn't look like that was supposed to happen, and then we stop praying. We're like, well, I guess if that wasn't what he wanted to do, I'll just give up. There's this absolutely amazing uh, account of Jesus' life. It was written down by Luke, and Luke was recording all of what was going on in Jesus' life, and he was responding or telling us the story that Jesus shared. Jesus tells the story about this guy who goes over to his friend's house. And when he gets to his friend's house, his friend's like, oh man, I got my buddy here. I better feed him. And so the owner of the house is like, I got to find some food for my buddy. So he leaves his house. It's late at night. He runs next door. He runs over to his neighbor and he says, hey, um, I need some bread. He knocks on his neighbor's door and it's late at night. And he's like, hey, I, I need some bread. And his neighbor calls back. He's like, do you know what time it is? And he's like, yeah, yeah, I, I, it's late. I get it. I just need some bread. And the guy inside is like, are you crazy? It is, it is too late. I am in bed. Go away. Leave me alone. I'm not giving you any bread. And Jesus says, keep knocking on the door. Just keep knocking. Even if the guy says, no, go to bed. Go away. I don't want to give you bread. Go away. Jesus is like, if you just keep knocking... Essentially, eventually, you're going to annoy the guy enough that he's going to come out and he's going to hand you some bread just so that you'll go away and so that he can go back to sleep. And then Jesus says, keep asking. 
And then listen to what Jesus says after that. Jesus says this, And so I tell you, keep on asking, and you will receive what you ask for. Keep on seeking, and you will find. Keep on knocking, and the door will be open to you. For everyone who asks receives. Everyone who seeks finds. And to everyone who knocks, the door will be open. Jesus is saying, don't give up praying. Keep bringing him the need. He is literally giving you and I permission to be shamelessly persistent about our needs. And sometimes we just give up too easily on the things that are too important. Whether it's a relationship or a career or our finances or maybe even our relationship with God. We tend to give up when it gets difficult. And sometimes we just need to stay persistent, not get discouraged, but stay in the process and keep bringing our need to Jesus and literally prove that we are desperately relying on him. Because when we keep knocking and we keep coming back, we're saying, Jesus, I am not looking to anyone else. I'm not looking to something else to meet this need. Jesus, it is you. And we keep on knocking. And literally, eventually, I believe Jesus is going to open up the door and throw bread at us and say, go away. I mean, that's the story that just happened. Because sometimes we just ask once and it doesn't happen and then we go away. Or, or maybe we pray about it twice and we just give up. Maybe we even pray for one year. Maybe we pray for two years. Maybe we ask for a little bit and then it doesn't come true and we're like, okay, you didn't meet my need and we go away. Jesus promises he will meet every single need or he will provide what we need to endure not having that thing that we desperately think that we need. Jesus has promised to be our provider. And he's also promised and given us the response or the opportunity to keep coming back and to keep coming back. And then when Jesus meets our needs, our next response in this process of how Jesus meets our needs is we need to celebrate when Jesus does meet our needs. We need to have a party. We need to be thankful. We need to acknowledge that Jesus is who he claimed to be and he met our need and we need to give him credit. In Luke chapter 17, Jesus has this fascinating encounter with 10 guys that are very sick. Jesus walks into this village and these 10 guys that have leprosy come up and they start yelling at him from a distance. Like, these guys are way ahead of their time. Like, this was social distancing 2,000 years ago. They walk up, and there Jesus is, and they keep their distance like they're supposed to, probably not wearing the mask, but they're keeping the distance, and they're like, Jesus, Master, help us, heal us. Jesus, we know you can help us. Would you please help us? Now, leprosy, if you're not aware, is this incurable, at the time it was an incurable skin disease. Absolutely disgusting. Body parts would fall off and rot, and it was contagious, and anybody that had leprosy was essentially forced to leave their family to separate from their community, to live in complete isolation. So these 10 individuals recognize who Jesus is and recognize that he can provide for their need. They know who Jesus is and they believe that Jesus can heal and they believe that Jesus can meet their need and they're right. And Jesus ultimately heals all 10 of them. The leprosy for all of them is completely cured. And then something really interesting happens. <coughs> Excuse me. All 10 of these guys you would think would be extremely grateful for what Jesus did, for the fact that he just healed them, and then listen to what happened. It said, one of them, when he saw that he was healed, came back to Jesus shouting, praise God. 
He fell to the ground at Jesus' feet, thanking him for what he had done. This man was a Samaritan. The other ten just took off. Well, the other nine, they just like, I'm not very good at math, I guess. The other nine just took off. Of the ten, only one paused long enough to come back and say thank you. To celebrate what Jesus had done for him. Now, now I like to imagine for a second, what happened to the other guys? Like when they got home, what happened? I mean, when, when, when one of those guys, when they returned and they walked in and their moms were like, you've been forgiven? Did you say thanks? I imagine that there were some grown men that, get, that got grabbed by their ear, by their mom, and drug around the village saying, we're going to find Jesus because no boy of mine is going to have manners like that. <coughs> Excuse me. Or if they were married and they walked in and they said, babe, I was healed. And she said, well, how did Jesus respond after you said thanks? Oh, I forgot to say thanks. Get out of here. Go, go, go. And I'm guessing these wives and these moms were shocked because Jesus was shocked. Jesus actually looks at this guy and he's like, hey, uh, wasn't there 10 of you? Jesus is like, I'm pretty good at counting. And this doesn't really look like 10. Where'd they go? And we read this about these nine guys that just took off. And we shake our heads and we're like, goodness, those guys missed it. But so oftentimes, Jesus meets our needs. And he responds to something that we prayed about. And so often we respond like the nine rather than the one. We just kind of lose our minds. We just sort of forget the fact that we took a need to Jesus and that he provided for us. We forget that he came through. And we just kind of go about our lives like nothing happened. Like God didn't actually perform a miracle in our lives. That maybe it was just some good luck or we maybe, maybe pulled it out in our own ingenuity or whatever it is. And we just forget to stop and say thanks to Jesus. Excuse me. Here's what I think we can't miss. You and I have brought a need to the God of the universe. And he heard us. And then he responded, we have to celebrate with him and to him and thank him for what he's done. And not be like the nine that were ungrateful, but be like the one that stopped and recognized what Jesus had provided. And so when he provides, we need to celebrate the way Jesus has met our needs. And then the last part for how Jesus meets our needs is we need to recognize and see the value of offering our entire lives to him. When Jesus fed the 5,000 people with the five loaves and the two fish, he didn't actually need the loaves and fish to get it started. There was no point at which Jesus was like, whoo, we got lucky there that I got something to build from. If the disciples had said, hey, Jesus, we don't, we don't really have anything, Jesus wouldn't have been like, oh, boy. God, I, I, I got to have something to work with here. You, you can't just expect me to make something out of nothing. Jesus didn't need the bread. Jesus didn't need the fish. And I was thinking about it this week. This little boy is actually, there was a little boy that actually had brought this lunch, and he brought the bread, and he brought the fish that Jesus was used to then spread out to all these other people. I was thinking, it is so good that that little boy didn't come with some lasagna leftovers. Can you imagine the mess? Lasagna for 5,000. Anyway, Jesus didn't need anything to provide. 
But what you and I need to know is that Jesus wants to know, he wants to see that we've got some skin in the game, that we're invested in the process. And when we give Jesus our entire lives, he promises to meet those needs. It may not always look exactly the way that we want it to look. He may not always meet the need exactly, specifically the way that we intended or what we wanted, but he will always give us what we need to get through the process, even if the need isn't exactly met. Here's the ultimate reality of what Jesus is saying to us. Jesus says, if you try to hang on to your life, you will lose it. But if you give up your life for my sake and for the sake of the good news, you will save it. So many times we want Jesus to meet our needs, but we withhold what we currently have. And what we have to understand is that if we don't trust and if we hold back from him, we're going to miss out on some of God's blessing. And sometimes we get frustrated that we don't receive God's best in life, but it's because we've been holding back. And what we have to understand is that with Jesus, whatever we offer to him is what he blesses us through. Whatever we hold back and whatever we hang on to, he's saying we're ultimately going to lose it. And if you want Jesus to bless financially, but you hold on to your money tightly and you don't honor Jesus with it, he isn't committing to meet the need in that area. And when we want Jesus to bless a relationship, but we don't give that area up to him first and we don't honor him with that relationship, it's not necessarily going to meet the needs in that area. And when, when Abraham Maslow rolled out his hierarchy of human needs, God actually knew what you needed way before that. Before you were even born, he knew what your needs were going to be. And in order for him to meet our needs, he sent Jesus into the world. He sent Jesus in to, to meet our physical needs by feeding 5,000 people and healing the 10 guys with leprosy, proving to us he can feed us and he can heal us. And the fact that we needed love, Jesus came and he died on the cross and he gave up his life so that you and I could experience his love. He created and established the idea of church so that we could develop relationships, create the family around us that can love us, that can provide those healthy relationships. And Jesus wants to meet our greatest need, which is forgiveness. And it happens when you and I accept that he died on the cross to pay the price for the sin in our lives. Sin being any time that you and I make a choice that breaks relationship either with him or breaks relationship with other people. Jesus wants to restore that relationship and bring forgiveness. He wants to help us find the most amazing life possible. And it happens when we believe that he didn't stay dead, when he was nailed to that cross, that he eventually defeated death three days later and he came back to life. And because he defeated death, he can give you and I life. And when we begin to recognize and believe that, that's the beginning of giving him our entire lives. And if you're listening or watching this morning and you haven't done that before, or maybe you've done that so long ago, but you kind of walked away from it, this morning is your opportunity to say, Jesus, I believe that you died for me. I believe that you rose from the dead. I desire to have a relationship with you. A little pop-up window is going to show up in the chat here over on the left-hand side. Maybe it's on the right. I don't know where it's at. But if you want to begin a relationship this morning with Jesus, would you just click on that thing that says raise a hand? There's going to be a pop-up where you can give us your name and your email. And really what we want to do through that is, is I want to send you some information about what it is to be in a relationship with Jesus. But right now, I would just encourage you to pray with me. To say these words that I'm about to say, to pray them either out loud or pray them in your heart and in your head and, and pray that Jesus and invite Jesus into your life. 
Here's what that prayer would look like. Jesus, this morning I recognize that, that there is sin in my life, that I've made choices that, is broke, that have broken relationship, and I need your forgiveness that you offer because of your death on the cross. Jesus, not only do I want your forgiveness, I want the life that you offer, recognizing that because you defeated death, because you came back to life, you can offer me life here, now, the most abundant life possible, and you can also offer me life eternally. Jesus, I give you my life. I want to be in relationship with you. Amen. Now, wherever you're at this morning, whatever the need is that you have in your life, Jesus is able and he has offered us the opportunity that if we believe, that if we respond, that if we trust, Jesus will meet those needs. And the steps that we've walked through this morning and the choices that we make will allow us to step into that process of how Jesus will meet our needs. And every weekend, your programs are in the, on the different sides there. There's some next steps for you to respond to. Some ways for you to really think through, what is your next step going to be? How can you personally respond to what you've heard this morning? So maybe this morning for your next step is to begin to believe that Jesus truly can meet all of your needs. Maybe your next step is to be thankful for what you do have and celebrate when you receive. Maybe your next step is to give Jesus your entire life. Maybe your next step is to tell what I need, tell Jesus what you need and include it in the prayer request section of the Connect card. We'd love to be able to pray for you that God would be meeting those needs in your life. So if you take a moment and put that in the prayer request section, we can join you in praying that God would be working in your life, that he would provide that need that you have. But it starts when you choose to tell Jesus what it is that you need. Band's going to come in just a second, but let's pray. And then we'll move into the last song. Jesus, thank you so much for your love for us. Thank you for how much you care. Jesus, thank you that you're willing to provide, that you're willing to meet our needs. Would you help us to trust you in that? Would you help us to be open to you in that? And, and we would begin to bring those needs to you and then trust that you will walk and that you will guide and that you will bring and provide what we truly do need. Thank you so much for your love for us. Thank you for all the ways that you step in and all the ways that we don't even see that you provide and that you bless our lives. Thanks again for this morning. Thank you for the technology that allows us to stay connected. We love you. In Jesus' name, amen.